Everybody, welcome to UGA Sports Live with Jim Donnan. My name is Rodin Bulsey. Uh, I'm joined by the aforementioned Jim Donnan, and even Dane Young has made time to be with us today. We appreciate that. We appreciate you uh, cutting out part of your day to be a part of our show, and it means a lot to us. So much so, we would like you to put a little comment there. Let us know where you're watching it from, what your name is, and if you have a question for Coach. We have some questions for the show. We'll get to those from the dog vent. But today is a good day to get your questions answered by Coach Don. So type them in the comment section, and Dane will put them on screen, and Coach will knock them out of the park. Uh, we do want to look ahead to Vandy, uh, but I, I don't know that we can do a whole show on Vandy. So let's look a little bit back to the Kentucky game because I thought it was Georgia's best game of the year. This was the uh, team that we were kind of expecting to see. And after we did the watch-along, and thanks everybody who joined us for the watch-along. We had a, a great viewership of that. It means a lot to us. Coach, uh, I, I'm i not going to say you danced up the stairs, but you looked a lot more relieved after that uh, Georgia-Kentucky game. It looked like Georgia kind of put everything together, and I want to get your thoughts on it um, now that you've had a couple days to ruminate on the uh, big win over Kentucky. You know, I've always said there's a real fine line between performance and potential, and I think uh, certainly – uh, I was encouraged all spring and fall by the potential of our team and, and watching our young men work hard and develop and go against each other. And uh, certainly the fact that our schedule didn't present a real big challenge m might have hurt us a little bit. But, you know, an inordinate amount of injuries at the wrong positions and just the fact that we, you know, couldn't really put it together uh, – except in certain phases once in a while. But Saturday night was just a culmination of everybody doing their job, uh, coaches, players. It was just a real good uh, job of living up to potential and turning it into a performance. So uh, I thought the way we attacked their, their defense, the way we uh, played defense, everything about the game was uh, very confident and uh, very similar to what, you know, like I said, that I felt like we could do. Uh, I'm really not surprised at the way Mike called the game because it, this is the third time I think that he's gotten over 50 points as a coordinator against a Stoops-led uh, Kentucky team. I think back going back and looking at the record, when Stoops first started out there, Coach Rick's team's laid a half a hundred on them a couple times. So uh, he's got a good feel for what to do against them, and, and it was just uh, – some of our so so-called uh, supplemental players are starting to become the kind of guys that they were recruited to be. Uh, for instance, Raw Rob really doing some things on the edge that you want to have. Uh, uh, just a, all in all, only way you can say it is you just beat the dog shit out of. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I know a lot of people were worried about you know Georgia getting off to a fast start. They'd only scored 17 points in five first quarters to that point. But that first half, I mean, 300 yards receiving. And I thought it was interesting that uh, Ryan Williams, the number one wide receiver in the uh, nation for 2025, was in attendance. He's an Alabama commit. He's from Alabama. And when we did an interview with him, he's like, yeah, they had 300 yards in the first half and 600 yards in the game. And I'm like, wow. You read the stat sheet off to me. So it made an impression around the nation, but everyone was like, Georgia starts slow, this offense kind of hiccups. And then you can have that 31 point second quarter that they did, but they're like, why, why, why can't they do it to begin? And Georgia just looked like a, a completely different team on those first two drives. And I kind of asked Kirby about it. And he's like, well, some of it is what Kentucky did. 
So from a schematic point, did Georgia get better or was Kentucky not as good as we thought? I think a little bit of both. Uh, uh, you, you know uh, pretty much a well-coached team what they're going to do. Uh, they had to feel like they could muscle us up front a little bit, and they weren't able to do that. And I don't think they had any idea that our receivers could wear out their corners like they did. So even when they played zone uh, – and supposedly you're supposed to be watching for 19. Uh, he was at a blinker light on a couple of times. So it's easy to sit back today and gloat about the win. But uh, at the same time, it, it's nothing that, that should surprise you really because as good a job as Coach Stoops has done there, uh, since he's been there, they have a hard time beating the teams that win more SEC games than they lose. I think since – 11 years, he's only done that twice, beating a team that's, you know, so-called up there type team that uh, wins more than four SEC games. So, uh, and, you know, he, I guess he feels like the way to do it is get better players listening to him. Last night, uh, the, the blurb I read where most of the alumni to donate more money do you want me to read that quote really fast so we have the full context of this? Because I have it in front of me. Yeah, that's true. Uh, this is from uh, John Hale's article at Kentucky.com. I'll give him credit for this. So it was from Mark Stoops' radio show. Quote, you've got to own it, you've got to solve it, and then you've got to go do it, he said of his team's response to the 51-13 to loss on Saturday. Quote, the other side of that is if you want to do that, complain, deny, or make excuses, and we're not going to do that. It is what it is. Fans have that right. I give it to them. I just encourage them to donate more because that's what those dudes are doing. I can promise you, Georgia, they bought some pretty good players. You're allowed to do that these days. We could use some help. Well, hey, that's uh, reality is a little bit. We do have some good players. I don't know that they were all uh, the process of NIL. Some of them have been here before NIL became uh, set up. But, uh, uh, you know, I know we're losing some guys to NIL too. I mean, you look at the in-state players that we've lost. So. It's a tough process, and I know after you get beat like that, you know, you want to deflect it a little bit. But uh, the reality is probably don't need to have a Monday night call-in show. <laughs> are, they, are they going to do a better job of screening those calls? I noticed that uh, for a while there, some of the calls we're getting through to Georgia were pre-screened and pretty uh, pretty uh, Greek yogurt. They were pretty plain. They were uh, – Nothing, nothing to get him off there. But I do want to address one thing that he's talking about. It's, you know, buying players. Georgia is, as you mentioned, coaches losing players to NIL transfers. They're also losing kids in the recruiting angle because you know all of a sudden you've been committed to Georgia for six months, and some other school comes up and says, "Hey, we got a NIL deal that's two to three times what Georgia's paying." And Georgia's. You, not you mean Nicar didn't like what he saw at Miami this last weekend? Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying like car. I'm not naming names. I'm just saying that in some of these battles that for kids that Georgia's been recruiting two or three years, they wind up losing out to a school who puts all their chips on one guy. And to a point, yeah, it's legal. You know, the, the collectives are able to do that. But Georgia is not. That's I don't want to come across sound like a homer, but Georgia's not the one that's throwing out crazy NIL deals to high school kids. They're not. They're not getting them there. Now they will save their ammo for trying to keep help a guy that's thinking about maybe going to the NFL. You know, the proven guys. Like, hey, you know, let's get those guys some good NIL deals. But uh, uh, in, in the recruiting aspect of it, again, there, there weren't a ton of freshmen to play, Coach, to your point. Even in, of the NIL guys, 
you know, who were available for it, those weren't the guys that were beating uh, Kentucky's butt. That was, you know, right. Carson Beck was here long before NIL. Uh, yeah, I think the whole situation with us is, and Kirby is just not going to throw out uh, and give a guy more than what somebody's already won two national championships or been a big yeah. help here. Uh, yeah. You got to take care of your locker room. And, but you also got to adjust. Some of these coaches, you know, are not adjusting around the country, and it's pretty evident. For instance, some of them aren't even taking any transfers. I think that's what you got to look at uh, just from the standpoint of, say, you have a bad year at one position recruiting. I mean, there's plenty of guys around the country, not just Power 5 schools. You look at some of these guys that surface at some of these 1AA schools or non-power five and got a chance to, Hey, you know, Georgia wouldn't be coming after me unless they thought I could play. I got a chance to go in there and eat at bones restaurant and wear all that good gear and make some money too, and have a chance to be a part of a championship team. I mean, that's what you got. Uh, and I think coach Saban said that last year, the, the transfer portal is definitely in the favor of the better teams too, because, you know, they took a corner from UAB. Uh, Alabama did uh, last really? year. I mean, so, but that, it, and that doesn't mean the UAB certainly, uh, you just don't expect them to do that, but they had a need there. They took a linebacker that was between second and third team from us. It's the starting form at linebacker. And uh, Trez Marshall, who I think is doing a good job over there. But the bottom line is you got to focus on your team and how you can make it better through recruiting, through the transfer portal, through NIL, roster management. And people that listen to this show since I've been on there have always listened to me talk about how Kirby is a master. I'm not talking about first grade, second grade, third grade. He is a master of roster management, and he knows where to push the buttons and who to let go. I mean, there comes a point, Major Burns, you want to go somewhere else, hey, you need to go ahead and go. There's nothing you can do about it if if a kid, once he comes in there and says he wants to go, I'm not going to sit around and, and point out anything except, hey, that's the way it is. Same thing with A.D. Mitchell. He had some issues as far as, uh, you know, his, his, he had a daughter out there, and uh, A.D. Mitchell would have helped us this year, but I don't know how much he's going to help us more than what Ra Ra and Lovett are going to. So it's just a wash there. We were able to replenish that and get – we got – uh, Aguero playing where maybe Major Burns would play. So uh, uh, Major Burns had a hard time making our lineup too. And you start looking at the players that could have gone somewhere else and how they are contributing to Georgia. So it's not just getting the rah-rahs, but it's keeping a Carson Beck on campus. It's saying, Lad McConkie, you could have gone pro. You could have made some money and, and maybe right. it works out. There, there's so many different cases of that, of Georgia's current stars that are still here because of what Georgia's built. Good point. And I would say as much as we're stroking our team for hanging in there, I just feel like we got so many players now that there's going to be a point where a guy's going to say, look, I, you know, I love it here. I love winning and everything, but I like to play. Yeah. I mean, and we've got a situation there where it's some of these positions where a guy maybe is not a, a starter type player, but a good good player and does a lot on special teams, but they want to play more. We're going to lose some guys like that. I mean, it's nothing to do with being disgruntled. It's just wanting to play more. 
Yeah, and they'll see the success that, you know, Major Burns had that pick six and A.D. Mitchell lit it up. And some uh, Jermaine Burton catch passes like, hey, uh, I'm good enough to get recruited by Georgia, signed by Georgia, compete at Georgia. I got some playing time, but not as much. But if I go to NC State or South Florida or Auburn, anywhere, I'm going to play more. So that's coming. And uh, there's a good thing on the front page of UGAsports.com right now called the snap count. You go look at that, and it'll tell you how many snaps each guy played in the Kentucky game. And of course, Georgia's going to play its best players there. And if you see a guy only got like four snaps, and you're like, wait a minute, wasn't this guy one of the top 50 guy? Uh, uh, you know, one of the top recruits in that recruiting class a year ago, two years ago, three years ago? Yeah, he's not getting as many snaps as he probably thinks he deserves. So you're going to have some fresh. But at the same time, some of these kids, uh, you, you see how the influx of – I thought Rara and Dominic had their best game. Uh, definitely Rara, that catch was insane. But he had a ton of snaps. And he's kind of – as you know, Kirby said at the beginning of the season, he you know, he's still got to learn our offense. He's learning it. He's getting better. And by the end of the season, I think that those two guys are going to be uh, you know, huge superstars. Like Coach said when we started this section, the potential. you know, And those guys uh, look good. Now, Coach, I want to ask you this, though. Kirby Smart said uh, after the Auburn game, one, one of the lessons he learned from his dad was that it's never as good as it seems, it's never as bad as it seems. Uh, did you have any concerns coming out of that Kentucky game? Because we could sit here and talk about how great they were all night and everything was awesome, but did you see anything that worried you? I was a little worried about the outside runs, but Kirby made a great point about that, you know, saying, hey, look, we want these guys to go east-west, not north-south. I'm like, oh, okay, I feel better, but. Uh, did you have any concerns? Because I thought they looked phenomenal. But you, you're a coach. You had that eye for uh, detail. Yeah, I think a couple of times we maybe got outflanked on alignment and misaligned, and they were able to <laughs> buzz a couple out there. But but it, for the most part, our tackling was crisp. Uh, we had good pressure when we needed it on the quarterback. And uh, we do have a tendency, uh, and that's with every team. You watch college, pro, high school. When it's normal down a distance, uh, and you got to go, and you're going against a good team, they're going to make yards on you on play action pass. I mean, they're going to make yeah. yards on a on a, a counter play where they block everybody and pull, and you know it, it's just continuing to not give up the explosive plays. You, you saw the two drives that they had. One was ten plays, another was such. But usually. Uh, hopefully against Georgia, they're going to make mistakes of their own, like a penalty or a motion penalty or a stupid – they had two flagrant fouls. Uh, and just the pressure of having to execute. Guy's open, but you got to hit him. A guy's open, but he's got to catch it. Therein lies some of the problems playing against Georgia because you're worried about so many avenues that you got to cross to be successful against them. So uh, I think our defense is – Starting to put it put it all together, and we got those heat-seeking missiles back there, at linebacker, and those two safeties. And I really like the way our corners are around the ball. So uh, I feel like as much as our offense is starting to function, I think our defense has a lot of potential. It's already tough to score on Georgia when you don't have a mobile quarterback. When your quarterback is inaccurate to open receivers, like first quarter Kentucky Devin Leary was, it's, it's almost impossible. And so, Roddy, to with the question you asked, Coach, there were some open receivers for Kentucky. There were some things that they did well. That game doesn't get out of hand if the quarterback can make a throw. He didn't make a few throws. Yeah, but you got to do it. I mean, that's part of it. You got to go out there and do it and. 
we we game plan this and talked about that Georgia as everybody was talking about Georgia against the run, but we knew that the, the running quarterback was an emphasis for Auburn, and we didn't do well. But you go against a team that's a run first team against Georgia. I don't care who it is, <laughs> and I don't care if it's the Eagles. We're going to be good against them, and uh, we're going to stone it. That's that's the way our defense is built, and uh, stop the run, and we we can do that. But right. what we're going to do. Uh, going forward against Jackson Dart, who can run uh, against, uh, you know, Mertz, who's the play-action pass, who knows. But uh, the the biggest issue that any team faces in Georgia is not the defense, it's not the offense, it's not the kicking game. It's the 74 guys on the road or the 80 at home that Georgia puts out there. you got to do – you got to win two of the three phases against Georgia – and hope they turn the ball over, or you're going to get your ass beat. Very true. Uh, speaking of beating somebody's ass, I thought the uh, plays that we saw from Carson Beck, uh, I mean, go back a few weeks ago, people were like, man, who else do we got? You know, they were and they were down on Carson because it is, I, I get it, it was a couple of long throws that didn't hit, but Kirby Smart was adamant. And I mean, adamant in his defenses. We mentioned it on the show. It's like, look, normally he'll call a guy out if he thinks he's not doing well. But Kirby said, look, this guy is our guy. And, again, Kirby's proven right. So, I mean, we, we should have a little buzzer every time we're like, well, Kirby was right. Um, because if you look at one of those throws where uh, he just dials it in, drops a dime over the uh, uh, under the, uh, over the linebacker, over the cornerback, under the safety, it's just a beautiful throw. He lit it up, and I thought that that was Carson Beck's best game. And that's not just – my point is that's only his sixth game. So it's, it kind of feels like Carson is settling into his own skin, Coach. Yeah, I feel like he – when you say sixth game, but the one thing that you remember is how much practice reps they have. That that really helps you going against our defense, going against uh, all the different looks. But uh, just the fact that the supporting cast to me is so much better when we can run play-action passes and have the threat of the run anytime. Uh, as compared to being one-dimensional where we were maybe dropping back a lot. Uh, we really mixed up every kind of pass you could throw the other night, you know, uh, and that's what you you need to do, have different platforms to launch the ball to, to work. And our offensive line did a yeoman's job of protecting him. And the one time where he didn't uh, have much time, he ran for first down. And then uh, he also – the one sack they had, then they got, or the tip ball they had to get off the field. The defensive lineman uh, took a cheap shot on Ben Pran. So uh, it was, you know, I don't know. I guess we can stop talking about it because it, it's, uh, as Kirby say, it's on to Vanderbilt. Now, before we get to, to Vanderbilt, I want to mention our friends at Academia Brewing Company because if you're going, if you're not going to Nashville and you're going looking for a place to go watch the game, Check out Academia Brewing Company. It's a great place to catch a Georgia game. They have uh, they actually have a Halloween contest coming this weekend, uh, this this Friday, which should be fun. A little early, but they're also it's their sixth year anniversary, and we appreciate them being sponsors of our show for a really long time. I don't think it's been the full six years, but it's been a lot, a lot of it. And yeah, uh, they're successful because they advertised on UGA Sports, or maybe it's the fantastic beer and great food they have. Um, probably the latter. But when you get a chance, check out Academia Brewing Company. They have new beers all the time. They have uh, uh, great food out there. They're, they're, 
anniversary special. They're going to have a big smoker out there. That's going to be fun. Uh, I'm looking at this Onari beer, a Japanese style rice lager. I mean, who creates stuff like that? They just there's always something new out there. Uh, today it's uh, Trivia Tuesday. Uh, they also had a Trivia Tuesday last week. So every time you want to uh, do a Trivia Tuesday, you can do it out at Academia. They always have live music. They, they once a month they have bike night and they have a car show. In other words, there's always something going on out there, but the best time to go to Academia Brewing Company is when there's a Georgia game on. It'll be on all the screens. The weather uh, could be a little nippy, but there's a lot of room inside. Everybody, There's always uh, ability to see the screens, hear the game, get tons of uh, great drinks. You'll love it out at Academia Brewing Company when you get the chance. Also, if you're uh, heading up there, if you're going to Nashville and you need, uh, you want to stay warm, check out Dead Socks. You have time to order some Fantastic socks, the long ones that'll pull up to your calf and not slide down. The biggest, uh, the most annoying thing about socks for me, I have big fat calves, is they slide down and I feel like I'm constantly pulling them up. But when I wear my dead Soxy socks, the red and black ones, uh, they never slide down. And it's, I, and it's not at the expense of having your leg choked off, you know, because they're so bloody tight. These are very uh, stretchy, very elastic, and they don't slide. It's what they call their true state technology. I didn't know that there was technology in socks, but there apparently is. So reach out to our friends at deadsoxy.com. Use promo code UGA Sports, the name of our show, and you will get 25% off your order. They have a lot of fantastic socks. There's always new stuff going on out there, and I'm sure you will find something you like. So check them out. All right, Coach, put on your coaching hat for me here because you go to Vanderbilt for an 11 a.m. local time New Eastern kick. This is coming off the atmosphere that Georgia just had in Athens. Only 28,000 fans in the stands as they're doing construction on the stadium. How do you build? And, and it could rain a little bit potentially. Uh, I think that was a question that's been asked. How do you keep the juice up for your team when this is very much a different atmosphere than maybe what you faced the last two weeks? You know, one of the things I always talk to our teams about, uh, the way you don't uh, prepare for a team like that is to just take it easy. you got to go on and prepare like they're going to give you their best shot, like, like we're going to have a lot of situations that are hard to believe that might happen to us, a tip pass, a block kick, whatever. Uh, and just remember that no matter how bad we play, we can still beat these guys. You don't talk about playing bad, but you cover the way you could lose a game. You, you go over it and uh, point out that that's what happened to us in 2016 against these guys. So, But from Kirby's perspective, uh, you know, I think the practices we have are all based on being competitive on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. It's more about us than it is them uh, doing a really good job of probably more practice one against one, two against two than it is scout team where you're just practicing and honing your skills and developing and, and working on fundamentals. But I will say this, uh, the guy is so prepared for every situation. When he heard that the first game that Vanderbilt played at home, that they had a lightning delay, his first reaction is where does everybody go with all this construction and everything? So he sent a person from our uh, ops department up there two weeks ago to go over the whole logistics of what's going to happen. If you have a delay, what's going to happen? Where does our team, how long does it take us to get from this uh, facility where we're not dressing normally to get to the field pregame uh, halftime, all that stuff, time it up, film it. So our team is ready and they understand that we're in a different environment. 
the guy doesn't miss a thing. I mean, he's just on top of uh, every angle that I would have never thought about uh, <laughs> where you're going to go on a delay uh, situation when, when the game's, you know, at another school, you just think, well, we're just going to the dressing room. Well, the dressing exactly. room is there. So he, uh, he takes care of stuff like that and uh, more power to him. But I also think that we got to be ready for that lunar eclipse uh, that's supposed to happen at 12 o'clock Eastern on Saturday. What happens then? Do all the players have some glasses so they look up to it? Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Bowers turns into a werewolf or something. I don't think he's quite human. That dude is you got to be prepared for every situation, no question about that. But uh, you can't lie about the film. They see the players. They see the problems that Vandy's had. They see – but they do have some players that – if you play man coverage on them, that one guy can beat you and 10 guys could play good and they get a big, big play on you. Uh, quarterback Seals has, has got a good arm. He's a good athlete. He can avoid the rush. But uh, defensively, they've had some issues, some guys getting hurt, which makes it even rougher on them because they got a good scheme. We know uh, Clark Lee was a Vanderbilt, is a head coach, but he was at Notre Dame both years when Notre Dame played us. They played us good as a defensive coordinator, he's got a good scheme, but uh, just don't have enough players. So uh, you just, my final answer here on uh, whatever it might be is you've got to just play every game accordingly and respect all teams and fear none. Vandy's two and five, three straight SEC losses this season. Give up 38 points to Florida, give up 38 to Missouri, and 45 to Kentucky. And you just saw Kentucky's offense. So, yeah, they got two big sixes, helped them a little bit. But, you know, Vandy did hold Ray Davis to under 60 yards. So, I don't know. But I, I'm just hoping that we can get some of these other guys in the game. You never know how that's going to plan out. You can practice it and talk talk about it. But, uh, you know, the last time we went up there was like 29 to nothing in the first quarter, I think, uh, and uh, benched JT and put, from that point, Stetson played the rest of the, the time because JT actually had an oblique sit, situation with his uh, arm. So uh, we should we should be okay, but uh, you, you always got to prepare like you're going to – all these different things that I just went over. All right, Dane, let's uh, get uh, some of the questions from the dog vent, if you'd be so kind. From UGASports.com, Big Fatty 94, Coach, do you think George ends up with two receivers with 1,000 yards this year? You know, we have such a situation there where we spread it out among all the other guys. I think Bowers is going to get 1,000 uh we're going to have to have a couple guys get some 60, 70 yard catches for that to happen. But I could say we, I could say we could have maybe three or four with 600. From Lump Dog, coach, you said last year that Stetson Bennett looked most comfortable when he was on the move. In what way do you think Carson Beck feels most comfortable? And Lump Dog says he thinks that Carson Beck excels when he's driving the ball downfield and not doing the dinking and the dunking. Well, I think his his forte is the uh, platform where he's, he can set his feet and rhythm throw either on the two-step drop back out of the gun or uh, play action out of the gun or the pistol. He can, you know, what we call a hitch step uh, where you, you know, take that hitch and then throw. And, you know, the power comes from your hips. It's like a baseball player or a, 
a golfer or a tennis player, you know, your arm is, is one thing, but you generate the power on your hip turn and your follow through. And he's got a very live arm, but he's got a very good uh, platform to transfer weight from, from his hips too. So I would say he's most comfortable in the pocket. I actually asked him about that yesterday. I'm like, Hey, uh, when you're talking to Mike Bobo, do you ever ask, come on coach, let me keep one. And I remember you were uh, during the coach, uh, during the show coach, you were saying if he keeps one of these uh, uh, play on one of these plays, nobody's touching him because nobody sees him as a threat to run. But in high school, he ran like crazy. He was uh, tuck and run all the time. And he says, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good running it the way we do. And then later on, he said, I'm not about getting hit. So I think he is quite. Yeah, I mean, Kirby, Kirby, Kirby's big on quarterback, uh, you know, protecting the quarterback and not yeah. being a, I mean, we we did a couple with Vandegrift the other night, but that was good for Brock. But but I think the one thing that that is, is starting to evolve that's pretty evident, you know, when you look at some of the quarterbacks that Coach Bobo has had uh, with Stafford and Murray and whoever it might be, you, you like that uh, dialogue because it doesn't matter what the coach likes the best. It's what the player feels the most comfortable with because you're not going to – shove something down his throat just because you this play worked for us and but you know always one of the biggest things I did communicating to whoever the quarterback was was during a timeout the first thing I always asked the quarterback when he came over to me was what do you think because I've met with him constantly during the week he knows the game plan inside and out he knows how he feels I got a feel for what I think and if he tells me the same thing that I think, I say, voila, that's good. <laughs> but but, I, but I, I also will say, well, have you considered this too? And then we'll come to the best. But you want the guy expecting to do well and not worrying about it. That's why, like, on Thursday sometimes we'll just throw out some plays that we've practiced all week that just haven't looked good against the scout team. How in the world do you think they're going to work against a good defense if they're not working against the scout team? So you eliminate and cut back on Thursday. But the biggest thing that I always wanted to do was when we have a test with our team, each position has tests. And we call tips and reminders and things like that. But you, you, you also put in there, what is your favorite play this week? Who do you feel like you can attack the most? Because we've had scouting reports and we've said that, but then you get the questions answered and they come back. And sometimes this scout feels – little bit worried more about this position guy than you do and it's nice to know that you know uh, from just looking at him on like the last thing I did before I laid my head on the pillow up there at the Holiday Inn or wherever it was was read through these what the players said just to reinforce in my mind as a play caller hey I'm going after 46 because we got four different guys that think they can jump and or hey we better watch out for this guy because and, and of course, we know that all week, yeah. but it's reinforced. And like during the game, after the first time out, I mean, the first change of possession, one of the best dialogues you have is Stacy Searles asking the O line, "Do you need help on this guy? Do you what do you need to do? Can you reach this guy?" Well, all that, and you because the film has shown you one thing, but now it's a reality. Receiver, uh, one of the things we always did, we had receivers weren't in the game. They're responsible. One of them is watching the corner on the other side of the field. The other one's watching the corner on this side of the field. 
and talking about some things that he suggests to, let's say, Ra-Ra's in the game and uh, somebody else on the sideline, Meeks, when he comes over there, he said, look, this guy's having a hard time with this outside release with your one step or his two step here. You better go to this and all this. And, uh, hey, this guy, because it's just good communication and using your players accordingly. Very, very good insights, Coach. We appreciate that. My bad, job, Barry. My bad. No, uh, I, that's all the stuff. Because I remember those, you know, Coach pulled me over going, hey, that man's whooping your ass. What can you do? I'm like, I need help, Coach. Or going over and telling the offensive line coach or defensive line coach, I'm killing this guy. I don't know why he's all region. I'm killing him. Run behind me. No. Yeah, I heard this funny story one time when his high school team was playing. A friend of mine lives in town. They, 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 the other team was just jacking him up, and he, and the coach was saying at halftime, hey, can you beat your man? And Roddy said, yeah, I can get him. And Dane said, yeah, I can get him. And the other guy said, oh, about 50%. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, you're right. Those initial conversations right after that first – and you notice the difference between the first drive and second drive sometimes is night and day. So I'm, I'm, that makes sense. And I'm, and the other thing that's that's really good, the way our team does, that Kirby has them, he has every man on the special teams after the punt. They'll come over there and they'll go over how they rushed you, uh, and you and you talk about it and you write it up because we might have to change our protection a little bit to take, you know, and the same thing on the punt rush. Hey, Dan Jackson, can you overpower this guy? Or, hey, we, we thought we could, but what are we going to do here? Because you only got three or four of these, and you got That's three right. on. So that communication is really important to to uh, ascertain what's our next move here, strength on strength, weakness on weakness. And uh, it's just good communication. Didn't know half that stuff happened. A uh, question from Dog KC. These are two questions, but similar. Which SEC team is the biggest threat to Georgia in terms of matchup? And that can be regular season or championship game. Or, uh, but then the second question, which national team is the worst matchup if you met them in the playoff? Yeah, you got to say at this point, I, I don't see how Alabama uh, is not going to make the uh, playoffs for the SEC just because of their schedule. They got four out of six games at home. Uh I think they uh, certainly uh, have got some really good strengths. But still, I mean, they had 14 penalties the other day, nine false starts. I mean, you, you're going to have a hard time winning consistently with that. But uh, Ole Miss has already got the loss to them, so Alabama would have to lose twice. I think Ole Miss probably threatens us as much as anybody going into uh, the rest of the season, maybe Tennessee because we're on the road. But, they got the run pass quarterback and the great back. Their defense is not that great, but uh, I, I'm just looking around the country. Uh, Michigan certainly looks like they, they're very very good football team. Washington, Florida State. Uh, Oklahoma's now in the mix, so I would say those would probably be the four around the country that have a chance to be the playoffs. I still like Oregon, too, which I guess we'll find out this weekend. Oregon-Washington's massive. Yeah, I just think Oregon's going to have a hard time with this quarterback. I mean, this Phoenix guy is a real deal. He, he's insane. Hey, uh, before we go to the next question, I want to go back to the first one from Big Fatty 94. I actually did some math, Coach. You know, you'll be proud of me. Uh, he's asking, would there be two wide receivers for Georgia that could get to 1,000 yards? And I figured if Georgia plays all 15 games, which you cross your fingers, you hope they do, 
a wide receiver would need to average 66 yards per game uh, to hit the 1,000-yard mark because now playoffs count. Brock Bowers is averaging 90 yards a game, so, yeah, he, he could hit that pretty quickly. The only guy that's close on Georgia's squad is Marcus Rosemey Jackson, who's averaging 65 yards a catch, I mean, a, per game. So he's, if he keeps getting that, then he might get close. But again, as much as Rod Rod's rounding into form and Dominic Lovett's going to make plays and yeah. McConkey was just now getting back, I don't see it happening either. But just keep that in mind, folks. If you're thinking 15 games, 66 yards a game, you could have a, if you play all 15, a second receiver. I see it's trending toward the, less passing total yards and more rushing total yards too, the way. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. The way Milton's starting to surface too. And, uh, and again, we didn't get to see a lot of uh, 86 out running the ball the other day, but uh, our running game is something that's just in a comfort area. There's a lot of things got to happen for a pass. You got to get the snap. You got to read the coverage. You got to protect, you got to throw and you got to catch it. Running the ball, you just got to block block the point of attack, and you got a pretty good chance. So uh, it's good to do both. But I, I can see us like the other night. We knew we could throw on them. We knew we could protect. So why waste the runs? I mean, just going and hammer and tong them, man. Just throw that. To to your point, Kirby. Everything we asked him, Kirby's like, well, it's a lot easier when you can run it like we did. Or we asked about the the defense. Well, it's easy because we were running it. He kept talking about how their run game was so effective. And you pointed it out in the first drive. You're like, hey, hand the ball off seven yards, hand the ball off six yards. That sure as hell makes you know second and three easier. And now you, it opens up your uh, pass game a lot. So Kirby was uh, very adamant about the improvement in the run game. Although all we in the press want to talk about was how many passing yards they had in Carson Beck. And he's like, guys, I'm telling you. Again, you know, we, we see the numbers. He sees the game. So, well, you make if you go back to uh, Bill Walsh, who's a pioneer of so many passing uh, thoughts and processes. He, he always talked about. And fortunately for me, I was able to spend three hours with them at Stanford when he was the coach out there in 1977, which was probably as good as three hours as I've ever spent with a guy. And he just gave me. I just ask him time after time, and I got a little red notebook in here. I still look at once in a while. They're just, but he said, "You're gonna the biggest plays are always gonna come off play action pass. A drop back or show pass has no threat of a run to it, so easily coverage wise is gonna react better. So you always want to have a a play off your best run that you can effectively throw the ball on." And that's going to help you master something to to make a big play. And then you've got to have an arsenal of screens, draws, and delays to help your protection. Because you just can't have a guy that's consistently going to block a, a person uh, on drop back pass unless he's got the threat of some kind of trap or draw or screen where he's just going 100 miles an hour on you. So, we always had 10 minutes a day of screen draw and delay for our offense against our defense where they had to practice uh, reacting like that and the offense going against the defense that was maybe thinking it was going to be passed. So uh, those are things that pretty much everybody knows, but uh, you don't get a lot of big plays off a drop back pass. I mean, the secondary is just going to be, I mean, you can launch, you can launch some once in a while against the, 
press coverage and, and you, you hit that fade and all that or get a penalty, but most of your damage comes off of play action. Uh, speaking of play action, if you are looking for some good action, you're looking for something that uh, you can play around with, check out our friends at myperfectfranchise.net. It's a great company that helps you change your career path. If you're tired of punching the clock, you're tired of working for somebody else, you're tired of uh, being someone's employee instead of being the employer, the folks at My Perfect Franchise can help you out. It's Andy Ludecki, uh, Brian Beachy, former, uh, former Atlanta Braves pitcher. Shout out to the Braves. Uh, they can guide you through the franchise process. Now, some people think, well, I don't want to run a restaurant. Well, there's not just restaurants out there. There's a million other types and services. And what's really working for him are the stuff that are uh, kind of recession proof. It's basically think of your house. It's your number one investment. And there's things you need in your house. And especially with interest rates right now, people are not buying houses as much. They don't want to sell their house and go get locked into a 30-year at 8%. So they're taking care of their homes. They're, what are they doing? They're getting new roofs. They're putting up new fences. They're getting new blinds. They're changing out the windows. They're changing out the doors. They're doing flooring. These are as recession-proof companies as you could ever imagine. And the numbers they're doing are insane. You got people billing 30, 40, 60, $100,000 a month, you know, with these uh, franchises. So reach out to Andy Ludecki at myperfectfranchise.net and get into a business. And again, you're not the one going to be doing all the work. You're not going to be hanging windows. You're going to hire people to do that, but you'll be the one drawing those paychecks. So uh, reach out to them and they'll take care of you. And it's free. Also, today is Tuesday. I am starving. I missed breakfast this morning. I was bandaging my stupid thumb. Uh, don't get a mandolin, by the way. They're bad ideas. But if you want to go someplace where they cut food and they don't slice your thumb off, go to uh, your pie, order today. If you haven't had breakfast like me, you, you, your mouth is just drooling at the idea of getting that Philly cheese steak, that Southern Heat, the Ishka, the Nat, uh, their sandwiches, their uh, pesto, uh, pesto sauce is so good, uh, their pastas, their gelato. They have a pumpkin spice gelato. So just saying, and the limoncello gelato is fantastic. I don't know how much longer they're going to have that, but it was a great summer flavor. So uh, today is Double Points Tuesday. Hit uh, the Your Pie app on your phone, order your pizza, and you'll be very, very happy. From San Diego Dog hey, One. I'll make a point here, Dane, about something I just thought about. You were talking about, you know, about the way games are won and the way they are lost. If you just go back to the Braves game last night, a routine throw on a cutoff. Braves couldn't score if the if the Phillies left the field up until that point. The second baseman boots it after the guy uh, gets on first base on a base on balls, and he gets a hit, and he goes to third base, and he boots it, and we could get a run. Well, that run was a difference. Then in the the next time, uh, uh, the first batter gets hit by a pitch. They don't get a hit. But the other team helps you out a little bit. That's what's got to happen in an upset or when you're behind. You got to get some help from the other team. Coach, do you have a favorite Brave story from your time as coach? Uh, you know, I went over there when I got the job, and I was uh, uh, some of our sponsors were having some kind of deal where we went over there. And so I had a chance to go in the dugout, and I had a chance to talked to Smoltz and found out he was a Michigan State fan and then watched those guys and listened to him. But, but then, of course, Chipper Jones was telling me that he went to high school with Brian Jones, who played with me for me as a linebacker down there at the bowl school. So 
and then he started coming over to the games, but nothing in particular there except uh, in, enjoyed, always enjoy. They make me feel first class going over there. From San Diego Dog One, Coach, are you more concerned about the defense or the offense? It's kind of a new feeling than in years past. Well, I mean, you always have a little bit of, uh, hey, what what are we going to do about this? The biggest thing that we got here at Georgia, and I want everybody to just take a deep breath and listen to the old coach. We know more about what we can't do than the other team does. All of our fans that go over everything, they want, but we got to be careful about worrying about what we can't do and think about what we can do. Uh, I'm always looking at things, and, and uh, I read this guy yesterday that if you think about more about what you can do positive than worry about what you can do negative, it's amazing what you can do in life. And I think that's pretty true for everybody. But uh, we've got some concerns, and we can cover them up a little bit. But I don't have near the concerns with our secondary that I did last year. I think mm-hmm. we break, I think we break on the ball. I think our underneath coverage is good. I still feel like our rush is going to come along. Stopping the power runs at the point of attack, I feel good. We got to work on the edge, offense. Uh, you know, continue work on the, when the other team knows we're going to run it, can we run it? Kicking game, I don't, I think we have a really good kicking game, but uh, I'm, I'm not as concerned about any phase as, as I was a week ago because I see, see what we've been able to do confidence-wise. Question from Bulldog82. What's the best game, uh, the best away game as a coach that you ever went to, and what's the worst away game as a coach you ever went to? Well, as far as Georgia, it wasn't a away game, but 97 down at uh, Jacksonville was the best one here. Uh, a, good win, a good win at LSU when they were ranked in uh, 98. But always loved going to Nebraska and kicking their ass. I mean, it, you know, we had three for three there when I was at OU. But uh, I just uh, – as far as the worst uh, – Probably Georgia Tech. I knew that was coming. That was my worst one, too. <laughs> uh, from Twice Ice Dog, Coach, I want to ask you about Miami. Who missed on them kneeling the ball? Is that a head coach, offensive coordinator, both, or is there not an analyst somewhere on a headset? You know, one of the best things I saw about, and for the fans that don't know, that uh, they had a chance to run the clock out, just kneel on the ball and – but they decided to run one more play and the guy fumbled and Tech had 25 seconds and they went down and scored. And he's just taking a beating on that. Of course, he did the same thing at Stanford game when he was at Oregon, not falling on the ball. But uh, it should be in your contract. If you are the head coach and the other team has one timeout and there's a minute and 30 seconds to go left in the game, what are you going to do? You're going to fall on the ball. And if you don't, you're probably going to get your ass fired because uh, – uh, but the worst one I've ever seen that happened was uh, Catawba was playing Elon back in 1961 or something like that. And Catawba had a really good field goal kicker, had a chance to break the record for the Carolinas Conference at the end of the game. 
Catawba had the game won. All he had to do is fall on the ball. But the coach decided he was going to let him try to break the record, and he kicked the field goal. It was a long one. And a guy named George Wooten, I never will forget it. I can still see him running. Caught the ball eight yards deep in the end zone and ran for a touchdown, and Elon beat Catawba there. And I was working at the stadium in high school. He let the guys work at the stadium, and I was down around the dressing room. And I was right there when the Catawba athletic director fired the coach right there in the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't laugh at it, but, man, I mean, he, he was doing his ass. He said, you know, but that, that was the worst one I've ever seen. Wow. Wow. 108 yards, man. God. North Buckhead Dog says a respected college football analyst who's particularly well regarded with offensive line play. I think he's talking about Cole Kubulik here. Has repeatedly said that Georgia plays its offensive, the offensive tackles play too high. What does this mean and how does it impact their performance? Is it something that you've noticed, coach? Say the last part. I just got this text from this guy. I've got to do this thing for the ACC network talking about. Uh, backup quarterbacks, you know, Troy Eggman broken eight breakings. What was the last part of that? Sure. Do you think that Georgia tackles play too high? What does that mean? And is it something you've noticed? Talking about the tackles on blocking? Offensive tackles, yeah. You know, Cole's a very respected guy. He's a good center for Auburn. I mean, he was on that team that beat us over here in 99 where we couldn't cover anybody. Uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't really studied it, but uh, it just depends on what the coach is asking for. Uh, we've got a younger tackle at left tackle. He probably can learn to bend his hips a little more. Trust is a guard. So, uh, but uh, when Mims gets back, and I feel like he'll get back, uh, you know, he he plays accordingly. But uh, we'll just have to watch out. It doesn't matter what way we play. We won't be picked the Joe Moore Award. That, that that's not in the Georgia can't win that. Well, what would it mean to play too high? Well, it means uh, run play. Because, yeah, leverage-wise, leverage I mean, you're just not bending your hips and not e exploding up through the guy and, and getting 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 underneath him, where you get more movement when you're underneath a guy as compared to on top of him like that. Because, you know, it's just like when you're picking something up, if you pick it up from the ground up as compared to just bending over and doing that. So the bending your hips uh, – Mm -hmm. Like our coaching, I just want to see him bend your hips and strike him in the right there in the solar plexus and take your thumbs inside and jack him up through his jaws, big fella. You got me. <laughs> God, You're giving flashbacks of being in the cage and having the board drills. Oh God, stop! Big old dog wants to know how Georgia is going to use its off week. Do you prepare for Tennessee, Ole Miss, Missouri, all of them? How do you do that? Well, in the past, what Kirby does is take a look at each team one day and then spend the end of the week on the team that's the next one's Florida. So uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll look at a little bit of everybody and uh, probably go on Sunday because you got to take an off day. And we usually let our kids go on Friday so they can go home for a little bit. So, you know, it's just more of a visualization uh, with the walkthrough showing you their different sets, their different offensive plays or defensive looks and all that. And then when you have the week of the game, you've already got that entrenched in your mind that you've, you've had, a, you've, you got one more day on them, but they've done that in the fall and the spring too. So they have a category on each team and what you do, these analysts look at how they've done this year compared to the 
the stuff that they've done in the past. So, you know, back in 2020, they threw a double pass off this hash or whatever it might be. I mean, these got these guys got everything on them, man. They study them to the nth degree. From UGA alum 95, what was more improved last week, Georgia's run defense or Georgia's offensive line play? I'd say both of them looked uh, looked pretty good to me. Uh, the, the run defense was more the style we were playing against. We, we you know we weren't wor- worried about the quarterback. We had two plays that went over 100 yards against Auburn, where we just had the wrong position and they got out leveraged. But uh, I think they both played played really well. We didn't have many penalties. Uh, we had that one play where Trust. I don't know why he came back and blocked that guy from the blind side. The 86 is already down the field about eight yards. But, uh, you know, we continue to be – I read the stats this morning in my big prep for the show that uh, (laughs) Georgia is the least penalized team in the conference, uh, you know, as usual, which is part of coaching. That was – Kirby mentioned that after the Auburn game about not having any uh, delay of games and illegal procedures and – even some of the, the penalties that Georgia's had this year. And, and he also, after the game, said, look, I want we no one ever talks about how disciplined this team is. And he actually kind of mentioned the Kentucky cheap shots, the shot in the back. And he said, we warned them before the, the, the uh, game started that they're going to push you a little bit. They're going to be a little chippy. Do not react. And I thought that uh, Georgia held composure there. And Kirby Smart wanted credit for his team for that, as well he should. So – uh, speaking of getting uh, good credit, I want everyone to go by our friends at Athens Ford. Check out the new specials they have. Uh, the uh, Ford F-150 on sale now, $7,000 off uh, MSRP and 3.9% APR for 60 months. Uh, the 2023 Ford Mustang, Ford Mustang Mach-E GT, uh, all-wheel drive, $10,000 off. So they've got some great deals on new vehicles out at Athens Ford, plus any of their uh, pre-owned vehicles, as long as it's under 80,000 miles. And it doesn't matter if it's a Ford or not. Uh, if you go out there and get one, I guess maybe the BMWs and some of the, the we were, but the most common cars, if you go out there and buy a pre-owned vehicle from Athens Ford, when you drive it off a lot, if it's under 80,000 miles, it'll have a lifetime powertrain warranty on it. So think about you can go get a Ford Cam- I mean, a, a Camry, Toyota Camry, for with 40,000 miles on it and then have a lifetime powertrain warranty that deal on it. So head up to Athens Ford, check them out. And I'll, we also have somebody else I want to mention here, Coach. Uh, there's a huge vodka company. Their, their name's Tito's, and they give a lot of money to Texas. Now, Tito's is a great vodka. People love whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who's that? Boomer Sooner. Right, right, Coach. Right, right. Oh, Texas is already done on its luck. Yeah, I'm just saying that uh, the point is, if you go to Georgia tailgates, you will see a lot of Tito's vodka out there. It's great. You know, fine. Do what you're going to do. But our friends at ASW, the uh, distillery in Atlanta, you know, this that has t- the three tasting rooms in Atlanta. This distillery that was made up by uh, six of the partners, five of which are UJ alums. This is, uh, they make uh, fantastic liquors bourbons, rye, stuff like that. It's distilled by dogs. They now have a vodka. It's called Hunker Vodka. Now, this is a, I've tried it. It's fantastic. So look, this is something they've done in partnership with the Classic City Collective. So if you buy Hunker, a great vodka, 
part of the proceeds go to the Classic City Collective. The Classic City Collective doles out NIL deals to UGA players. So if you're going to drink, don't support the University of Texas. Don't support another school drinking Tito's. Drink hunger. It's better, and it helps your school. So if you're going to have a uh, some uh, nice drinks out there for the tailgate, get hunker now. From Ty Ali 79, who do you see in the playoff as of today? Talk about Major League Baseball? or <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Braves over Phillies. Here we go. Well, how about the Diamondbacks, man? 2-0. and oh. I mean, good Lord. That's unbelievable. Uh, I, I just think it's a very much of a crapshoot right now. Big Ten, you got three teams there. What's going to happen there? They all got to play each other. Uh, so one of them is probably going to maybe end up being undefeated. Penn State's a better team than they normally are, so they could be tough against Michigan and Ohio State. Pac-12, you, you've got those three undefeated teams. Uh, they got to run against each other. And then, you know, Big Big 12, Oklahoma has got to uh, – if, even if they run the table, they'd have to probably play Texas again in the championship game. But And then Florida State, North Carolina, both undefeated, and they, they don't play each other, but they would play in a championship game. So probably come from those teams right there and then one team from the SEC because, you know, Alabama's already got a loss. So if, if – if for some reason Alabama would beat us and we're undefeated, then we would be in it. But who knows? I can give the, the kiss of death. I can make sure that these teams don't get in. <laughs> FSU, Penn State, Washington. Everybody else, all the, the teams in opposition, you're welcome. Uh, and Georgia. I put those as my four teams. So but don't put Georgia in if it's a kiss of death. <laughs> uh, in our last two minutes, we'll feature some questions here from YouTube. Blanton asks, is Arian Smith injured or just in the doghouse? I think Arian just gets caught in the rotation and sometimes plays are called to him and they're not. He had that deep ball he dropped the other night. Uh, he's, he's definitely not injured, but uh, he'll still surface this year. He, he's working hard. Uh, Anthony Spano, coach, who do you see in the running back room and the offensive line room just as it stands right now? Who do it's I see? Where? Where do you see? Oh, where do you see running back room? Hey, how, how do you think George is at offensive line at running back right now? How do I feel about him? Sure. James Brown. I feel good. <laughs> I feel a lot better now that uh, Kendall Milton's out there. Uh, and again, he, he was kind of looked to be like on a pitch count, but I thought that, that the run before his touchdown where he got hit two yards uh, into his run – but then picked up six with just a sheer pissed off effort. I'm like, wow, that's the Kendall Milton that we're He's a big time back and unfortunately gets typecast as being hurt. But, uh, you know, he, he's had some tough broke, but he's due to go on and if he can play like he's capable of, that'll be a big plus for us. Have fun tackling him, Vandy. Uh, Jordan Harris asks, is Rod Robinson back this week? I think he's close, uh, very close. Listen, he said he was close. Uh, Blanton asked about the wild dog Brock play. Instead of having Beck on the field spread wide, why not line up a receiver or a running back next to Brock and run a zone read with Brock Bowers? Well, you lose the you lose the uh, effectiveness of surprise if Beck leaves the field. It pretty much lets everybody know that 
that you don't have a quarterback in and they can call a defense accordingly. But if you break the huddle at the last second and Beck goes out, then the element of surprise is, is worth it. But there's definitely some advantage there. Like when we ran uh, Miko Hardman against uh, Alabama, where he ran the zone read and faked it and kept it, uh, you know, I would, wouldn't be surprised if we didn't do that at one point, and we wouldn't be surprised if Bowers didn't throw a pass. That's our questions for the week, guys. I love it. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this week. We appreciate all of you joining us. Be sure to join us for the Georgia Watch Along show this Saturday on the same Facebook and YouTube channels or Twitter if you're watching us on Twitter. Uh, same space, same place you are right now, same bat time, same bat channel, if you will. But this Saturday at about 11.55 Eastern, we will have the Vanderbilt Watch Along game. So we'll be watching Georgia take on Vandy, and we'll probably have Coach singing and telling jokes and uh, – you know, all sorts of fun stuff. So uh, be sure. I don't, to- I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, am, I am looking forward to hopefully seeing some other of these younger guys get more reps, but you can't, you can't plan on that. Who knows? But uh, well, fingers crossed we'll have the, the uh, roster out. We'll hopefully see some of those new guys and uh, young guys get some snaps and uh, it, sh- it should be a good time. And then, then we'll have the bye week and then we have Florida. So, a fun October or Brocktober, some people are calling it. But uh, let's be sure to tune in with us and do the watch along. Like we had thousands of people do that last week, and we're looking to have thousands more join us this week. Did you hear about that Florida situation that, that I read about? The Florida player was talking, uh, they were having a team meeting, and the team doctor said, Hey, men, we've got 12 new cases of COVID. And the defensive back said, I sure am glad I was getting tired of that Gatorade. <laughs> uh, he snuck it in under the wire, Roddy. God, damn it. <laughs> See, this is why my, my, my sign offs can't be too long. All, All right. right. We'll see you guys next week. Y'all take care. All right.